Hey guys, it is Sarmo. Before we get to the podcast, which today's conversation is so good, we have Jorge Ventura, who's been at the border for most of this year, and he is going to tell us what is really happening because the media is not reporting it. But before we get to the podcast, don't forget, speaktruthwithoutfear.com. Put in your email, please. Then click on that support tab. Check some of the different ways that you can support us because we need your help. We got Jorge Ventura on. We're talking on the board. This is the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. All right. What up, guys? It is Jordan Sarmo. And today I got my good friend Jorge Ventura. Jorge, man, dude, thank you for taking time to come on, come on the show. Yeah, man, I love it. I, anytime we do these IG lives, interviews, they always go really good, man, and we have some really great conversations. So anytime, anytime. We do, man, and you know, again, not to throw, you know, say speak truth without fear, but you know, our name, speak truth without fear. That is what you're doing. You're doing it on the ground. Um, so real quick, just so that the audience and the people can know, tell me a little bit about yourself, because. You're someone that you are working in the field, you're at the border, and we're going to get into it, but tell me how you got started um, and what you're super passionate about. Yeah, man, so really quick, um, you know, name's uh, Jorge Ventura. Right now I'm 26 years old, living in California. I'm a, uh, right now, field correspondent for the, uh, for the Daily Caller, so we're based in, for, in Washington, D.C. For those who don't know, uh, Tucker Carlson actually founded the Daily Caller, so that's, it, that was really cool. So just Very a little bit cool. about me, guys, is... Um, um, you know, I went to community college at, um, when I was 21, and I started off actually going to school to be a sports reporter. So I was doing all the sports stuff, reporting at like high school football games, working on my reel. I ended up getting an internship with Telemundo Sports, like the NBC division. So I was actually working with like the LA Rams, That's and I was great. I was really good at it, man. Like my my producer, everyone was really happy with the work I was doing. I was developing pretty pretty quick. Um, but around, um, I think it was this was 2017, 2018, I started paying attention just more to the, you know, with Trump, you know, obviously in the office, politics just became more interesting to me. Yep. So I was just, you know, always paying attention to politics and news. And then I basically, man, just made a decision that I'm going to switch. I'm said, I'm, I'm done doing the sports stuff. I kind of got, got over it. I was really intrigued with the politics at the time with, with, with how the Trump. And then I was more intrigued at the audience part, bro, because for me, seeing people on the right just completely distrust the media even also people on the left like I would I would be speaking with people who support like Bernie Sanders and progressive they also felt like the media was was not giving them a fair shake so I saw that both sides were, were, were losing interest in mainstream media and I said now, you know at what? this time were you a Trump supporter or were you even I actually but to be honest I never I, I wouldn't even call myself that just because you I say I independent yeah, like I never even voted ever, bro, because I, um, I got taught, I got taught in, during community college that uh, my, my, one of my professors said, hey, you know, back, back in the 80s and 60s and 70s, the journalists who reported on politics wouldn't even vote. Like they, yeah. they would be like an unspoken rule. So for me, I was like at that time, because I was so sports assessors, I never even voted because I, I never even liked politics. So I was like, you know what, this is, this is a unique opportunity that someone like me who's never voted, for, no, never voted before and will not vote could just be this, just, just this, the guy that just keeps Exactly, you know, keep side, both sides uh, both sides accountable. So basically, bro, I made my switch around 2018. I covered a lot of the politics in California around that time. Obviously, we we um, we we saw a lot of candidates running for the the 2020 uh, 2020 race. They already campaigning in 2018, so I was covering that on the ground. And I, I really just built it up my real really quick. I um I just was working hard. And then I uh, basically last year, um 
the the I, if people know Sagar and Jetty, he's he was he he's originally was the was a host on on the Hill, but now he has this went completely independent with Crystal Ball. Sagar and Jetty actually uh, sent him um, a tweet on Twitter like, "Hey man, like I, I really look up to you. Do you have any career advice for another kid who's in uh, you know community college as a journalist?" He actually told me to call him, and I called him. I gave him my life story, and he basically was like, "You know what? I think you might be a right fit for the Daily Caller." He's like, "Would you would you would you move to D.C.?" I was like, "You know, I'm a kid from a small town. <laughs> I go to going to community college. Like I wasn't at UCLA or these big universities yet, bro. So right there, I was like, I told sorry. I was like, I'll go tomorrow. And <laughs> this is right when um, the pandemic kind of started. So he said, "Hold on, let me talk to the guys at Daily Caller." Um, he 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 made that connection, and then they reached out to me. I sent him basically all my work. They, they felt like I was a good fit. Even they told me, they're like, hey, man, when, when would you want to come? And this is last year, guys, in 2020. And I said, uh, can I come in May, you know, for doing a summer internship? So um, the, this is, um, the reason I'm explaining this is, is this is going to be really interesting for, for the audience. But so I fly, bro, to Washington, D.C., from a small town in California to start my summer internship as what I think a reporter in D.C., like working on the Hill. That's what I think right. I'm going to do, right? So I land May 21st. And my first few days, bro, I'm doing like intern stuff, doing all the boring stuff that no one else wants to do. May 25th, four days later, uh, Minneapolis PD releases the George Floyd tapes. And basically um, the whole country went, went to flames. Obviously we didn't know it then, but Minneapolis rioted that night. And I think yep. May 27th, bro, the riots came to Washington, D.C. And this was a night, I remember this night so, so like, oh man, it's so Maybe. important because that, that night, bro, May 27th, um, this, this this one chick, she hits me up. She says, "Hey man, I know you're you're a little bit lonely in DC. Where you want to, you know, I have a, 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 a friend's barbecue. I'm going to. You should you're come really and mingle. cute. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> she's like, come mingle. Um, um, you know, just meet people. So I go to this 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 little barbecue. I'm mingling, bro. And it's like uh, I get a call at midnight from my from my from my producer, which I thought it was a mistake because I'm like, yo, I'm just an intern. Oh, why is he even calling me this day? I pick up and he just, he's like basically screaming. He says, Jorge, the White House just went on lockdown. These Black Lives Matter supporters are like shaking the fences and the, and the secret services out there. And they just put Trump under the bunker. Like they sent him under the White House. Wow. He's like, we need you there now. And I was like, I look up to this chicken. I said, uh, hey, uh, no disrespect, but I got I gotta I go. to go to the White House. <laughs> She's like, no, no worries. Like I know, I know what you're here to do. So um, I, I went in the Uber. And as soon as I got to the White House, man, um, there was a Fox News reporter, Leland uh, Verdit. So he's getting ready to do his live shot, you know, like say, hey, you know, basically reporting from the White House. As soon as he kind of was setting up his shot and he said Fox News, all the Black Lives Matter activists looked at him and just started attacking him, bro. They stole his mic wow. and they started going like attacking him. They started attacking his cameraman, his security. So for me, I was like, I, I literally, bro, I just put my phone on this like little tripod I got hit record recorded and started recording and then um as as leland was approaching the the washington uh dc cops i i started narrating what was happening i said hey i'm reporting here with the daily call live on the ground and at that time i didn't know that i was basically breaking the biggest story in washington dc so what <laughs> after, after i filmed that i immediately posted to twitter that it was it was breaking news bro i mean it went so viral um I think by the time I even took my Uber from the from 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 the White House to back to where I was staying, it was only like a 20 minute Uber. The video was already at 200k on Twitter. Goodness. I woke up in the morning with every major Fox News and every mainstream media channel telling me that they're going to use the video, they're going to credit me. Um, even that Monday, Tucker Carlson, as his very first story, ran my my footage and everything. So basically, what I'm saying, bro, is in that in that short span i went from an intern to basically frontline reporter and i basically broke the biggest story in dc in my first basically four or five days even working wow. so basically 
the, you know, my bosses at the, at the caller were like, you know what, you're not going to be a regular intern. You're ready to go on the field like now. And then at, the, and then at that time, Jordan, we didn't know that the riots were basically going to hit every major city and they were going to go all summer. You know, at, you know, at that time, you probably thought they would probably last a week, but they went all summer. And basically, man, I, I, I was put on the ground. I covered all the big riots. I mean, you and covered it, you covered the riots. You covered Antifa, BLM, yep. a lot of. I mean, you even had a, a recent hit piece on you and a couple. You know, James, I believe it was James, and informed with Anthony, where they were putting a hit on you guys and trying to slander and ruin your guys' name. Is that correct? That's right, man. So that's that's basically Jordan. Just a quick kind of like a wrap of. I think you know most people discovered my work during the riots. But yeah, man, the intercept, intercept just did a just did a, a whole hit piece on all the work we did on the rise. And um, to me, it's like, isn't that the greatest privilege in the world that these guys are making six figures living in New York or D.C. and are making hit pieces about frontline work, frontline wow. reporters? This is my, fir my, my first reporter job. I'm not making like six figures. I'm not making anything close to that. Yeah. Um, so it's like, why, why would you guys come after us? Like, we're just trying to. And you didn't even vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're Hispanic, dude. Like Jorge Ventura, and they're like white supremacists. These guys are part of this, and like, oh my gosh! But this is why I wanted you to have. This is why I wanted to have you come on. Um, not because you're just an incredible journalist, but you're doing the work that no one really wants to do. You're going down to the border. You are. You're getting your hands dirty, and that's what's so important. And so. I mean, I've been what looked at your. Ins I've been watching, following you for months now, and one, I love your work. But this week, sp you know, specifically, you've been at the border, and you're. I mean, you're meeting with congressmen, you're meeting with senators. Yesterday, I w saw that you did an Instagram live, and Trump was right in front of him. Like, oh my gosh, Jorge is right with Trump right now. So, tell me what's going on on the border that one, the mainstream media is not reporting. Um, because I'm, I'm seeing a lot, your videos are incredible and there's just so much stuff that you're talking about that the media is not reporting. Yeah, Jordan. So basically when the, when the crisis really took off was around March. So we, we hit the ground, uh, in March and what I will say is it's much worse in person. And that's, you know, normally it's actually the opposite, right? It's normally media overhype something. Then you actually go to the thing. And it's like, Oh, it's not, not what they make it. This one was actually one where it was actually worse in person and my very first night here on the ground we're uh, here in south texas specifically the uh, la jolla area we went to this um to this zone where there's a lot of migrants that cross we, we heard for some sources my first couple hours jordan i already ran into 300 people i'm talking about large family units traveling together we were meeting wow. kids by themselves and right there i i realized like just how bad the situation was and like and the border patrol guy told me he's like yo this is like a small part of what you're seeing throughout the whole of the board like this is wow. a of what we know so basically what's, what's happening jordan is we have an all-time crisis at the border uh record apprehensions i believe the month of may finished with over 180,000 um people were apprehended by border, border patrol at the border i believe the month of march hold on hold on a hundred and eighty thousand people were apprehended at the border in the month of which month just uh just in the month of may just in 30 days a hundred when, when and that's why it pisses me off when the media is like there's not a crisis and Kamala's like oh you know I've been to the border and Europe and I've I haven't been you know they are trying to downplay this when you have Jorge that's here talking to us right now he's been at the border multiple times and he is reporting that a hundred and eighty thousand people I mean one thousand that is that's like two insane, football bro. stadiums bro. It's insane, and, and what's what's crazy about that number, Jordan, is the Border Patrol tells me, he's like, these are the people that we apprehended. 
And then they have another term, it's called Godaways, that for all the migrants that they did not apprehend, they were able to detect, but we have no information. They're in the country, they made it in, but we did not arrest them, we didn't stop them, we didn't apprehend them, we just were able to detect. So so they're telling me, you know, if you think that's a lot, there's there's way more Godaways. Um, wow. What the crazy thing is, is at the, at the pace that we're going out right now, they're expected that uh, by the end of the year, over one million uh, people will be apprehended by border patrol. That's just apprehensions, folks, not even wow. including the gotaways. And what we're seeing, Jordan, is what the cartels and human smuggling groups are doing is that they're pushing family units up at the border at, at certain areas, right? So when this happens, border patrol then has to apprehend these people. They have to collect information. As a distraction? Process. Yeah, and, and then they have, to, they, have to, they have to split the family units with unaccompanied. It's a whole process, right? It takes hours, hours. It takes so long. So while they're doing this, that just basically leaves the rest of the border wide open. More drugs are coming in, more, more humans are being trafficked in. And uh, according to a Border Patrol official that I spoke with, he said from the beginning of the year till now, we've seen a 600% increase in fentanyl. So if you do not live near the border, let's say you live in like Indiana or Kentucky, you think, oh, well, this is not really a crisis, right? It's not affecting me in Kentucky. Those drugs are coming in. Those wow. drugs are coming in. More Mexican cartels are coming in. And a big uh, there's a term called cartel juniors. And what this is, uh, Jordan, is basically in the 90s, all the cartel bosses, and obviously till now, what they do is they sent their pregnant girlfriends and wives into the U.S. Then they have uh, kids here. So then their their sons and daughters are born with American citizenship. And now they're able to, they're, they're able, they're able to move between Mexico and the United States freely because then they become dual citizens. And it's easier now because now cartels can set up businesses here, buy properties. And um, it's it's insane. Like, Jordan, like wow. just, just just four days ago, I interviewed a guy uh, here in Texas. His name is uh, Robert Sanchez. He's a pastor. And he has a couple uh, apartments that he rents out, you know, just to make some money on the side. He just got notified, like not too long ago, that uh, by his neighbors that those his apartments were being used by cartels as human smuggling stash house. Shut up. Yeah. So the guy is obviously heartbroken. Explain. Explain what that is. Explain what that is, if you can. So yeah. So basically, for for the audience who doesn't know what a stash house is, what what the cartels do. This is on Texas and Mexican side, is that they have these small homes where they'll stash like. 50 to 100 migrants with like literally a bathroom poor you know obviously horrible living conditions right. and they stash them in these houses and they basically this is where they could keep basically their product and able to like smuggle uh when the border is open for them so this is happening on the mexican side obviously but it's also happening on american soil like mm -hmm. the, the pastor was telling me that they're they're raiding stash houses all through texas at, at record numbers it's it's incredible to see so what are the the locals saying i mean the farmers the ranchers the people that are living on the american side i mean are their properties dropping in value are they trying to move are they trying to sell their homes i mean are they in a place of danger because i mean i could not imagine your house you have a you own acres of land, and then who knows? I mean, are migrants coming, in, illegal immigrants coming and walking in their property? Yeah. So one thing that we're seeing here, Jordan, is is a lot of Texas ranchers are actually having migrants cross into the property illegally and basically doing damage to the property. Um, I was just speaking to a rancher a couple of days ago. Uh, his name is Mike Miller. He told me that uh, since the border, uh, basically since this whole border issue for years now, but he's he spent nearly a hundred grand in just repairs to fences and stuff. Because what happens is these migrants come, they'll damage the fences and stuff, and that basically leaves um, basically the, the fence open for all his cattle and all his animals to escape. So he spent near a hundred grand. That's not even the worst of it. Um, last year, Mike Miller actually um, was actually shot at by an illegal immigrant on his own property so so basically like here hold, hold on hold on they shot mike yep. miller 
on his own property. Uh, in a, was this an illegal immigrant? Was this a cartel or he didn't know? He, he did. It's, it's an illegal immigrant, but the thing is, is certain sections, uh, Jordan, for, for instance, so he lives in, in Uvalde. So the, the, the people that are crossing in Uvalde are not the same as here. So here in La Jolla, we're running into family units. In Uvalde, it's all drug runners. It's, it's people bringing fentanyl. It's the criminals. It's those who have committed like sexual assaults. In that same area of Uvalde, uh, the arrest of sexual assaults of migrants has increased by 31%, over like 3,000% since the beginning of the year. So Mike Miller has been shot at. He's been spending thousands of dollars. And this is, this is like the, the same story we hear with multiple ranchers. They keep telling me like, hey, um, in the middle of the night, like one, one rancher told me that his wife in the middle of the night, they got a, 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 someone was knocking on their door. They opened the door. 25 migrants are sitting on their front porch. I was just speaking to an older woman where she's like scared to come home some nights because they're like migrants will like hide on her property. And she's like, I can't, I can't even come home some nights. I have to like rent out a hotel. And like, it's, I'm like, this is what people are going through. Now, one thing I will say about like Texans is that these are very proud people. So these are not the, these are not the type of people that are like, if something happens like this, they're, they're moving. They, they, they fight for their land. Like they're very proud yep. to be Texans. A lot of the, of the Latinos you speak here, they, they call themselves Tejanos. You know, they're proud of that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's getting really bad. And that, that same guy, Mike Miller, Jordan, he, he, started, he, he started a foundation because no one is helping him, including Governor Greg Abbott. I think, you know, people want to attack Biden, but Gregor, Governor Greg Abbott really hasn't uh, been helping the people affected. Um, Mike Miller had to start an organization. It's called Warriors for Ranchers. Um, and this organization is basically they're bringing awareness and they're bringing funds to ranchers who are basically spending thousands of dollars dealing with all these property, uh, uh, you know, damages and things like that. The, the, what I will say, though, Jordan, is on our way to interview Mike Miller, like we're, we're literally passing ranches to interview him. Like I would say about I mean, every ranch that we saw had a for sale sign. And, and uh, Mike Miller's property, his ranch is also up for sale because they just can't, they can't deal wow. with it, man. And, and it gets to a point where, you know, they have, they have wives and kids. They have, to, they have to protect their family. If their family is in danger, I mean, Mike Miller was shot at on his own property. I mean, I mean can you imagine, like, I mean, think about this. If, for someone that's listening, I, don't, I know you guys don't, a lot of you guys aren't living right on the border, but imagine living in a place where you are scared. You go to get groceries, but before you get in your car— you have to think, oh, wait, is there an illegal immigrant running through my property or am I going to get shot at just to walk out of my house? That is what these people are going through. And, you know, again, I, I love what you said, Jorge, you know, people in Kentucky or Indiana, it might not be affecting you right now, but where do you think all the drugs are coming from? Where do you, why do you think our youth are dying from drugs and suicide and all of these, all the issues that are happening right now? It's because of the drugs that are coming across the border. On top of that, our jobs are dropping. I mean, we, we know what, we know the effects of what illegal immigration does, um, but so let's talk about, have you talked with some of these illegal immigrants that have come over? Um, have you had any conversations with them? Their journey? Is it dangerous? Um, is, I mean, because it feels like this is like a business for the cartels. This is like a pure running business. And they're using these migrants as a cash cow um, for, and I don't know, are they, are they paying them? T tell us what that's like. Yeah, so, so right now, according to Border Patrol officials, cartels and human smuggling groups are making up to $14 million a day. Fourteen million dollars a day. Fourteen just, million dollars. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on a second. You gotta be joking me. You're telling me that the car of course then they want they're gonna keep doing this? 
Of so, course we need a dang wall if they're making $14 million a day. Because if I was making $14 million a day, I'd probably be doing the same damn thing if I was them. Yeah, so they're, they're making up to $14 million a day right now. Each, uh, each migrant, it costs nearly five to $9,000 to smuggle them into the United States. Obviously, most of these migrants are very poor. So what, what these cartels do is they'll call up their families in the U.S., make them pay, or if they don't, uh, what they'll do is they, these migrants uh, essentially become indentured servants in the United States to the cartel. Mm -hmm. So wow. we're seeing this um, on, a, on, on a record number, Ethan. Uh, when we have interviewed migrants, um, you know, I, the good thing is that, you know, both my parents are from El Salvador, so I speak Spanish. We're able to communicate. The thing is, um, a lot of the migrants that we meet, they're, they're, they're a little bit scared to say what's the reality uh, on camera. But I've spoken to a few uh, women migrants who have admitted to me that they've been either kidnapped, some, they've been sexually assaulted on their journey here. Uh, one, one Salvadorian woman told me that um, when they were stashed in the stash house, they actually just kept her husband. And like she was smuggled, but her husband is still kidnapped in Mexico. Uh, I, I spoke to another migrant woman that, that said that she was almost, that her, the group of her migrants were almost also kidnapped by cartels. They're, they're also stashing these stash houses where horrible living conditions. And we're, another sad, I think, aspect to this is we're meeting a lot of unaccompanied minors. So, so you, we'll be out there, it'll be like two, three in the morning, and we're, we're running into these migrant groups. They'll have these kids with them that like have no parents, no one. Like you ask them like, where's your mom and dad? They'll be like, oh, they're back in Nicaragua. They're back in Guatemala. And, and they'll be traveling all by themselves. I just met, I think three days ago, we just met a nine-year-old and 11-year-old brother and sister. They were crying when they reached us, crying. <sighs> and, and they didn't have their parents. And I said, where are you from? They said, they're from Honduras. But the group they came with were from Nicaragua. So just a lot of odd things. Even just recently, Jordan, I think just, just two nights ago, we were actually out with, uh, with few, a few members of Republican uh, Congress members. And we actually met uh, unaccompanied minors, I think about the like us eight year old and seven year old that the the immigrant group told us like, hey, we actually found these kids like on the road to the, on the way to the U.S. So we just like basically, you know, we like picked them up and took them with us. Um, and this is just the reality. I mean, this goes on every single day here. I mean, it's it's so it's there's just, no doubt in your mind. I mean, you've been at the border. You've been you've been out been out there this since March of this entire year. Would you say because you know we, again we don't. The, the issue right now with the country is that no one knows what's true. No one trusts the mainstream media. So, I mean, you could have a guy on Fox or CNN. CNN says there's not a cross crisis. Fox says there is a crisis. And really, no one knows what the truth is. So you being there, boots on the ground, you're talking to the migrants, you're meeting politicians, you're um, talking to the locals. Would you say that there is an actual, real crisis that needs to be fixed happening at the border right now? Yeah, so I, this is what I would say, Jordan. I Obviously, it's a, we could call it a border crisis for me. Now that I've been on the ground, I think it's appropriate to call this a humanitarian crisis wow. at the border. The reason I say humanitarian is because usually for Americans, when they think humanitarian crisis, they think, oh, that happens in Africa, or that happens in the Middle East, or that happens in like countries like Yemen. It doesn't happen on U.S. soil. It's, it's, it's happening on U.S. soil. We have a humanitarian crisis. I mean, can you imagine all the kids that are being human trafficked. sex traffic in the U.S. and we're basically abiding by it. I think the biggest policy that just needs to be addressed is Trump's remaining in Mexico policy just works so well. And the, and, and the remaining in Mexico, just for the audience, is, is when these uh, migrants come illegally and they try to seek asylum, what Trump will do is they, he'll say, okay, we'll give you the court case, but you wait in Mexico. 
You right. don't wait, you know, because when, when we give them that court case in the U.S., most of the 90% of these migrants don't even attend the court case. Like, why would you? You're already in the, in the country, yeah. you know? Um, so with the remaining Mexico policy, it would actually deter uh, illegal immigration because then migrants knew, why would I risk this, this long, dangerous journey to then reach the border, to then be told to wait in a border town? And for those who don't know, all these border towns in Mexico are some of the most dangerous uh, border towns. I mean, you have the cartels com com uh, have complete control of all these border towns. Um, the border town that 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 uh, that I'm near uh, here, so I'm in La Jolla. So our border town would be technically uh, Reynosa in Mexico. Reynosa just last week was reported like 18 dead. All it's it's the, the cartels just run everything. So dude, common sense is dead. I mean, like it just DC. I mean, so why? Why are the DC politicians not doing anything about this? I mean, that that that, that that's one thing that 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 I'm just that's the question I'm asking myself, Jordan. Because for me, it's like, what's the political gain of not addressing this? I don't. I just don't. I cannot grasp my 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 head around it. Um, what I, what I will say is the the Republican Congress. A lot of them here in Texas, they're very passionate about the issue. You could see they they've been here like multiple times addressing the issue. But at the end of the day, you, you also need. Um, you know the president to, to to actually address the issue himself, and he's and he's not. Um, Governor Greg Abbott, he just said that Texas will build its own border wall. I mean, to, to be honest, as a you know, I know many Republican voters when they read that headline, it sounds great, like yes, Texas is about to build its own border wall. Um, let me remind everyone: only 12% of the state of Texas is actually protected by any fence or wall, leaving the rest 88% not protected. What does that mean, Jordan? That means wow. that every mile to build a border wall costs 20 million dollars in taxpayer money. When when Greg, when Greg Abbott announced that he was going to build the Texas border wall, he just put a 250 million down payment. I mean, that doesn't do anything. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know where this money's going to come from to build this Texas border wall. I mean, if someone has the report, please show me. I just can't find it. Well, um, that governor, I mean, he has done nothing for the border since he's been a governor. And I mean, I will say my one, I was I was pretty frustrated when I saw Trump's endorsement of him because uh, I'm like, to me, in my mind, I'm like, man, this guy. I mean, again, now if he's doing it, great. If uh, maybe he's had some side conversations, and maybe he is. All right, you put up two hundred fifty million dollars. He's going to start, you know, becoming more because I know it's an election year coming up next year. So, but again, I mean, we have to, and that's why it's so important. We talk about this on Speak Truth Off here so much that it's so important that we are engaged with our local politicians and our local governments. Like, be a part of the city council meetings. Call your representatives. Call the governor's office and make. Sure, your voice is being heard. You guys got to organize. And again, if you don't, if, if you, uh, if for those that I forgot, if you go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com and you put in your email, the first thing we send to you right when you put in your email is a one page document that gives you three steps that teach you how to practically pressure your local government officials. And for this type, if you're in Texas, I would be calling your representatives because this needs to be on the forefront. Now, Jorge, you just recently interviewed. I mean, I was looking at your so, your social media earlier today. I mean, you just interviewed Madison Cawthorn. You interviewed Jim Banks, uh, Randy Beber, Lauren uh, Bobart. What are they saying? Um, I mean, they're obviously they're probably seeing the crisis. They're going to the border. What are their thoughts on on the matter? Yeah, I mean, they they are are just extremely upset with the Biden administration. That it's it's a humanitarian crisis. And you could you know everyone. You know, when we're all meeting, it's it's um, one thing that they, they really talk about is, is just protecting the kids, the amount of kids that are being, uh, you know, just smuggled and trafficked into the U.S. But I think one thing uh, for us, Jordan, was, which was very unique, actually, was, you know, usually when the congressional members do make a trip to the border, they do assess the border and they're speaking to officials like they're on the ground. 
and I don't blame them for this, but um, you know they they don't come out to the actual like border crossing zone at night to see it because it's it's pretty dangerous, and I don't I don't blame them for not being out there. It's not you know they don't need to maybe be that close, but. The, these congressional members asked us that, you know, they're like, hey, kind of a spur in the moment. They said, hey, would you and, and uh, I'm out here with Julio Rosas with Tahoe Music, would you guys actually take us to a zone, you know, and maybe maybe we could see what's going on? And um, we said, are you sure? And they said, yeah. So Lauren, uh, Lauren Boebert from Colorado came, Randy Weber, Jim Banks. And I mean, there were so there were several other more. That's Madison awesome Cawthorn. that they were willing to risk. I mean, yeah, and I mean, Madison Cawthorn came out with us, and when they came out with us, Jordan, it was late. I think it was like midnight, and we were in the we were in the trenches, man. They they came with us. Um, they, they they were viewing the the the, the migrants being apprehended, but we also walked to a place um, where the border wall was unfinished, and it was pretty deep in there. So they were in the trenches with us. And they were, um, Randy Weber actually had, uh, I didn't know this, but Randy knows Spanish. So Randy was actually communicating with the migrants. Um, there was that one video that I posted on my Instagram. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, Jordan, where I was actually explaining to Madison Cawthorn, hey, these, uh, these colored uh, bracelets that you see littered all on this floor, these are actually how the uh, Mexican cartels and human smuggling groups track and label and, and know who paid to cross illegally into the United States. Essentially, they're treating these migrants almost like Amazon products. You know, wow. so the, the, some, of the, some of the bracelets will say the word entrega, so in English that translates to delivered. Um, and, and we were able to show them, which was actually was, 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 I would say, a pretty powerful moment to have the members of Congress there. Then one thing I made sure is that every member of Congress that we spoke to about the wristbands, I gave them the wristbands and I said, no, you're going to keep, you're keeping this wow, bro. because I want you to know this is, this is real. And then like that, every member of Congress got to, got to walk away with the, with those wristbands. So it, it was pretty powerful. I mean, no, it's, you said it perfect. They are treating this like a human Amazon. Like mm -hmm. people think about this. I mean, this is absolutely insane, and, and it disgusts me when we can have all the social justice warriors go on the media and post social media and human trafficking and end this and end that, and we have human trafficking happening every single day, hundreds of thousands of people every single month coming across our border. Celebrities are silent. Hollywood is silent. Mainstream media is silent. Our politicians are silent. The Biden administration is silent. You have Kamala Harris that decide, oh, I'm finally going to come to the border. But did she even go to the border? No, she actually visited uh, El Paso, which is actually one of the more secure sections of the border. <laughs> and she did. She actually like visited like I think uh, one border patrol station, and then I think just went to her like little. Uh, she went to like the plane hangar. They did like they did like the press conference from there. So she didn't witness the reality. Like if she wanted to see the border crisis, she needs to be in the area that I am, which is the Rio Grande Valley, one of the hottest sections for this stuff. And like like I said, she was not, she didn't see any of it, and and the Republican congressional members did. One th one thing the 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 Republican members keep saying is that they don't they don't understand why the democrats are not coming to the table that why not democrats are coming to 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 view the border crisis i think the only two are henry uh Coulard, which is he's a he's a congressional member who represents uh the laredo texas section so he he represents a border town so he's seen the effects so for him he's actually taking on this issue and we're seeing kristen cinema uh, also a democrat in arizona she's taking on the issue and like meeting meeting with border patrol and assessing the situation but I don't see, Jordan, I don't understand why we're not addressing this issue. It's, it's not a left, it's not a right, it's a humanitarian crisis. We're the most powerful country in the world. Yeah. Why are we letting this happen on U.S. soil? It's embarrassing. Well, not to get political, but I'll give you my perspective. I mean, I totally believe that if it, I mean, think about this. If you have millions of people 
coming over into the country every single year, which means if they're going to be in office for four years, you got over, we're probably, we're estimating four to eight million people over the next four years that would come across into this country illegally, which then we obviously know where the Democrats play politically on that side of the fence. I totally believe that they're doing this for votes. They, and what's hilarious is I just, I just saw, um, was it Jen Psaki that she was saying that the, the border crisis was because of the Trump administration when no, like, let's be real. The border crisis is happening, which is exactly what Jorge said. They removed the remain in Mexico policy. We remember the t-shirts. You remember, do you, have you seen those videos with like yeah. Biden, please? Like they're rocking the clothes. They're like, they're coming in Biden supporters. They're literally coming in and this is just more votes. And it's, but what's frustrating is what you're saying. This is a humanitarian crisis. And for the left, especially politicians on the left that major, always play the social justice, humanitarian crisis, they are always on that side of the fence. They are silent when it comes to this, and it is an issue. And I believe it's just they're playing politics, and they really don't – they don't know how – I also think they don't know how to fix it. Like, Yeah. It, one thing I want to mention too, Jordan, is just by the, by the statistics, um, you know, South, this South Texas, all these border towns, they're actually very democratic. But one thing that we're seeing is uh, they're, they're mainly democratic, and, and they, all these border towns are like majority Latino. Like we're, here where I am in like the McAllen, Hoyer, it's like 85% Latino. That's basically the, the norm for all these border towns in Texas. They're now shifting towards the GOP. Um, really? In, in, in 2016, all these border towns were swept by Hillary Clinton. I mean, Trump didn't even, I think he didn't even win. He like won like one or two. He, he almost got swept. In 2020, he won more than half. Wow. And 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 the Republican and, and Trump made a, a actually a 13 percent gain in those four years in these border towns, even in the in the area that I am in right now, McAllen. They just voted uh, uh, the, their new mayor of uh, Javier Villalobos. Javier was the former GOP chairman. It was a wow. big is one of the biggest upsets. This is 85 percent Latino town went Republican with their mayor. So for those who think uh, the border crisis is not really affecting, let's say, the votes, we're seeing it. All these Latinos are actually now shifting and getting closer to the GOP. Now we need the Republican Party. If, 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 if let's say you're a Republican advisor or whatever, this may be, a, be the opportunity for you. If you could communicate your message right, you could really win these voters over. Um, now, now, when I will say these voters, like these people in these, in these small border towns, it's still very working class. Obviously, a lot of these counties are very poor. So yes, they'll vote Republican, but they'll still want a policy like they'll support a universal uh, Medicare for all. They'll support like a $15 minimum wage, but they want a border wall too. So it's like for, for a lot of people, they might not understand how that, yeah. that dynamic is, but it's, it's happening in real time, Jordan. We're seeing that shift to the GOP here. Well, and a lot of us were, were those, um, what do you call it? We're one voter issue or we, we focus on one issue and that kind of our, or one value voters in a sense where it's like whatever is happening in our life right now, that is what we're going to vote for. And a lot of these, what you're saying is a lot of these, dude, a lot of Hispanics, they're naturally just from culture are conservative. I mean, they yeah. care about the family unit. They care about the family unit. They, they know hard work. They are, they, they, um, start a lot of home businesses. My, my grandpa came from Colombia. My other grandpa came from Greece. Both of them knew work ethic. They work hard. They, I mean, they work with their hands. That is how they are. They were raised. And it's just, 
it's it's really good to hear that people are starting to realize and not buying the narrative of hey we are we are the party for the immigrants and we are the party for minorities because it's a it's a bunch of BS that the left has done a really good job with their messaging like you got to give it to them they stick together when when BLM riots and Lewitts when Antifa riots and Lewitts what happens they've got the fundraisers they get them bailed out they stick together what happens when when I mean, we won't get to the January 6th stuff, but we already know what's happening going on with January 6th. We have people that are being arrested for just walking around the Capitol and Republicans silent. So you got to you got to give Democrats. They know messaging and they know how to stick with their own. So, well, is there any good news at the border? <laughs> I mean, any is there? Can we end this thing with is there any hope? At, I mean, and uh, you're, if you're not watching this right now on YouTube, you're looking at Jorge's face, and he's like, "I'm, I, I can't even think of anything." <laughs> um, maybe I think maybe the 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 one good news maybe for I, I would say maybe is people are just waking up to it. Um, people are waking up to it. I think a lot of people here here in South Texas are just done with the BS politics. They want to see real change. So people are waking up to it. We're seeing, like I said, Texas ranchers rally together. Um, I wish there was something I could I could say, but it's just well. That's what, the reality I mean, of it, bro. That's the reality yeah, of it. The, there's I mean, there's really the, nothing good going on at the border right now. Yes, people are waking up, and I think that's happening across the country, and that's amazing. And and kudos to you, Jorge, because if it, if it wasn't for for journalists and contributors that are out in the field and getting the action and and. I mean, you're risking your life, bro. Every night that you're out there, you're risking your life. If people are being, if ranchers are being shot at on their own property, how much more of a chance would you have a chance being shot at when you're actually going down to the border, getting through the trenches? I mean, I've seen your videos. Um, if you guys have not checked out Jorge Ventura's, if you have not checked out his social media on his Instagram, Instagram is a great place to follow him. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your Instagram for people, for people to find you? Yeah, so um, Jorge Ventura TV is Instagram, Twitter's Ventura Report. Um, those are really great places. On my Instagram, guys, I, I you know I, I do a ton of updates. So like there, you're getting all the updates. And Twitter's obviously fantastic because like that's what we're hitting that Twitter with real time. So that that's where we're releasing all the content. Even it's we're putting out like longer form videos on on, on Daily Caller YouTube channel. We actually just did a fantastic. A long form video at the border that I, th I believe right now, like on my IGTV, it's, it's close to like 100k views. So it, it wow. did really well, I and, I, and that's what I'm saying is, is people are at least waking up and seeing that 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 issue. Uh, but yeah, for sure, ch check it out. I think I think you guys will like some of the frontline coverage we're doing. Guys, make sure you guys follow him because again, I mean, this is the border has always been one of the number one issues for those that were America first and that voted for Donald Trump, and. We know a lot of the stuff that we find out in the media, in the press, or the videos that are going viral. The, the reason why we know it, the reason why Trump even knows that there's these issues is because of journalists like Jorge Ventura. And so make sure you guys give him a follow. Follow what's going on. Um, and seriously, Jorge, dude, I'm so glad. Do you have any final thoughts before we, we end this? No, man. I, I appreciate you having me on, man, because I feel like we need to have these conversations long form. Uh, I'll be actually back out on the field t tonight, so we'll be out back out there tonight. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to keep covering this issue. It's the number one issue, and, and, and um, you know, me, I, both of my parents come from El Salvador, so, you know, being Latino, this, this, this kind of touches me a little bit different because I'm seeing my own people being human trafficked and smuggled and treated like products, man. It's not, it's not, it's, I'm, I just can't, I'm not okay with that. So 
we're going to keep you know covering this issue, being on, be on the front lines. And uh, I believe, too, we'll, pretty soon we'll, we'll have Jordan actually That's uh, right. come, come joining us. And I think that would be unique for Jordan to see it. And then he'll be able to give you guys his perspective from, from the ground. I think that would be a, a unique experience. But I, I'm excited for Jordan to come see it. Um, and and we'll, you know, we'll continue documenting it. No, I'm excited. I've, I've been I've been hounding Jorge over the last two months since we've connected. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, put me in, coach. Put me in. For real, I, I got – seriously, because it's so important. I know that the moment that you're there, it changes everything. It, it It's one thing to see it on camera. It's another thing where it's going to mm-hmm. hit home. It's emotional. And, I mean, bro, you, I love what you said. There is – I mean, I don't love it. It's sad. There is a human – Amazon happening right now where kids and children and moms, they're being delivered on bracelets and they have a full on functioning business where they're bringing in $14 million a day. Correct. Mm -hmm. This is, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. It's guys like Jorge. That's why I wanted to bring him on. I mean, he was with Donald Trump yesterday. I mean, I watched Trump's speech through his Instagram. So again, if you guys haven't follow him, I'm going to put all of the social media links in the bio, in the description of this um, podcast. So whether you're, li- you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're listening, it's going to be in the description. Make sure you follow him. He's also going to be on the Instagram Live next Monday night. So Jorge, bro, thank you so much. We're going to be talking. We'll talk soon.